All right, just a couple more words here. Um, first of all, Phil, thank you for bringing us a word from the Gideons. And uh, it is just, it's an amazing thing to, to think about what's happening through the Gideons. Um, let, me, let me start it this way. How many of you own a Bible? Okay, there are a lot of Bibles, quite a few people here own Bibles. Um, this is a thing that we can really easily take for granted, isn't it? I mean, there's no question. When we need a Bible, typically we can shop for a Bible. We can look at all these different options that are out there for us, find the exact translation we want and the style of Bible that we want. We can choose the cover of the Bible, what it looks like, what it's made of. All of these things we can very, very easily take for granted. Um, that obviously is not the case around the world. Not everybody has that kind of access. And so it is our privilege this morning to celebrate with the Gideons the fact that they have, they have distributed more than 2 billion Bibles around the world. I mean, that is a huge thing. And there are so many lives that have been blessed by that. In so many places, people have the word of God in their hands because of the Gideons. And so it's a privilege to have you guys here this morning. Thank you for all that you do. Um, I also want to just draw attention um, back a week to what happened here last Sunday in this room. And I just want to say to you, Chapel Hill Church, just how proud I am of you and the way that you guys welcomed Teen Challenge again and um, the way that you guys provided for them, even though I was freaking out about 50 men coming here and, and being able to feed them, we did really well. Uh, they all ate well, and I, I didn't get the call that I was expecting because one of them said, we're coming back next week because um, they like the lunch that much. <laughs> and so much more. That group just absolutely loved it here, and God did some really amazing things, not just through the time that we spent together between them sharing with us and, and us hosting them. God did incredible things among that group of men that was up here as well, um, and that is all thanks to your welcome, your prayers, um, all that you've done to support that ministry. It was a, a phenomenal service, it was a phenomenal day, and the number of comments that I got about God's presence being very obvious here at this church and uh, the way that they felt loved and received and accepted, um, it, was, it was really good. So thank you so much for that and for all the ways that you continue to welcome people into this church family from those that walk in the door as part of something like Teen Challenge to brand new people coming to check out this church to people like the Emery's who are becoming official members now and um, just all the way along. That love that you guys are showing for, for people that come to join us is just tremendous, and, and I can't thank you enough for that. All right, backing up, we are in the midst of a series called Untangled, and it has to do with restoring our closeness with God, our relationship with God, taking it to a new level, bringing back some of the closeness that we might have lost for a while, dealing with the tangle that's, that our lives have become and asking God to straighten that out and put us on his path. We talked about the ancient path, that path that consists of us and God only. It's two people on the path. It's you and God. It's me and God. And we talked about that path and needing to be there. We talked about that crazy word, mine. And we talked about our possessions and how nothing can share that path that we share with God. Nothing gets that kind of value and importance and attention in our lives but God. It's just God and it's just us on that path. We talked about the trailblazer. We talked about Christ coming, and at the time of his crucifixion, 
the temple curtain being torn top to bottom, opening up the Holy of Holies when God invited us into his presence. That was a huge step of closeness there. We talked about stop, look, and listen. The need for us to stop, to stop running, to stop doing, to stop consuming, and then to look to Jesus, to who he is, and get him in front of us all the time. And listening, we talked about listening. The word, Jesus came as the word, and the word still speaks, and the word has something to say to us even this morning. God desires closeness between you and him, between me and him. It's his constant desire. Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Psalm 65, 4 says, Blessed is the one you choose and bring near to dwell in your courts. Psalm 145, 18 says, The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. Many, many more verses in the Bible refer to God's desire to be near us. Remember that he went to great lengths to send Jesus to draw us near, and then he sent his spirit to dwell in us and bring us even closer to him. And for thousands of years, God has drawn close to us and invites us openly to draw close to him. His constant desire is closeness. Everywhere, all the time, God is inviting his creation nearer to him. What then is our response to his desire, to what he wants to do? This week and next, we're going to respond directly to an invitation that God made through Jesus, through his son. It's one of the most personal, loving, compassionate invitations that we have ever received. In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus is talking about the ministry of John the Baptist to start with and how much the people struggled to accept him and his message about the coming Messiah, about Jesus. Jesus then makes a statement about the places where his own message and himself had been rejected and where it was accepted. And then in that context, he makes this very personal and loving invitation with these words. This is Matthew chapter 11. Verses 28 to 30, Jesus says this, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. We're going to break this passage into two parts between this Sunday and next Sunday. This passage is worth dwelling on rather than just reading through it and quickly moving on. Verse 29 in the passage gives us the two parts that we're going to look at where he says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And Today we're going to look at the yoke that Jesus offers us. Um, part of my history in agriculture includes working in places like Haiti and Senegal and, and helping local farmers discover ways to address the challenges that they face. And their challenges were many, many, many. Um, in Haiti, I was dealing with extreme erosion problems in a highly overpopulated and deforested part of the world. 
In Senegal, I was working in the desert and trying to help farmers learn how to get food out of the sand. And one of the things that I did in both places was um, helping farmers learn how to make their own plows to use in the field. They didn't have the option of going to the local John Deere dealer and financing a half million dollar tractor and plow to use on their land. It was not an option. Plowing was done by hand and it, was dramatic, and it dramatically limited the amount of land that they could effectively farm. In some places, animals were used for field work, but the cost, even the cost of a pull-behind metal plow was too much for them to handle. And so we taught them how to make wooden plows from the place in the tree where the trunk meets a branch and you could cut a section of that out and turn it into a simple plow and all they needed beyond that was a simple metal plowshare or a blade to fasten to the front of that plow. And they, they could make them out of old leaf springs from cars. The, the welder, a, a, a metal worker, would cut a piece out of that, flatten it out, sharpen it, attach it to the plow, and they were ready to go with a setup very similar to this. I worked with farmers that looked exactly like this, with, with equipment that looked exactly like this. Um, and just to be clear, I didn't invent this kind of plow. These have been around since the Bible times. They've been around a very long time. They just needed to be reminded of these things, that maybe this had never reached where they were. And so we worked on that. And to pull this plow through the soil, farmers teamed up their animals, cows, horses, donkeys, bulls, all kinds of different things, whatever they had, by using something called a yoke. Now, this is where it pays off to have friends that have skills that I don't. My friend Bob made me a model yoke. This is what a yoke looked like, and you see it on the screen as well. And this simple tool was made out of wood and was set up so that you would put it around the necks of two animals. Their heads would go right through here, and I was very tempted to put my sons in this this morning, <laughs> but I did not resist temptation. And this was used to put those two animals together as they pulled a plow through the soil. So their heads would go through here, you would on, the, on here, and sometimes on the top, there were different styles that they did. Um, you would attach the reins, you would attach the rope that it fastened to the plow that would pull behind this yoke. But this was intended to keep animals together so that they could work together and have twice the pulling power of one animal. I want us to consider three things this morning regarding Jesus' invitation to take his yoke upon us. And I guarantee you that these three things, these three steps, will draw us into a closer relationship with God. This is a critical image that Jesus gave us, a great analogy, a great example, and we have an awful lot to learn from this. So the first thing that we're going to consider is the word awareness. The world's culture has intentions towards us, whether we acknowledge that or not. Satan had intentions toward Adam and Eve, and he still has those same intentions toward us. Every moment of every day, the world and its culture invite us to be yoked together with the world. We're invited to follow the world's path and do what the world is doing. We are targets for the kingdom of this world. The world wants to own us. The world wants to control us. 
And that is the enemy's doing. And we have to be aware of that. The world's kingdom is characterized by things like selfishness, pride, materialism, wealth, power, status, performance, comparison, competition, loving ourselves, creating our own identity, creating our own kingdom. And in this environment, lies and deceit run deep. And you know that. That's how the enemy operates. And while we think we're creating our own kingdom, we're really only submitting to the kingdom of this world and its culture. And we become yoked with the enemy. And he is satisfied. God invites us to renounce the yoke of this world's culture. We are called to die to self, the very thing at the center of this world's culture. Self wants what it can get from this world. And we have to put that desire to death. Here's how far this deception goes. Let's be honest. Self is exhausting. The world's telling us that making ourselves our God is desirable. It's the way to go. But the selfishness, pride, materialism, quest for power and status, performance, comparison, competition, loving ourselves, creating our own identity and kingdom is exhausting. This even creeps into the church. It did in Jesus' time. It had for a long time leading up to Jesus' arrival. The weight that the religious leaders had put on the shoulders of the people was tremendous. It was unbearable. In Acts chapter 15, Peter challenged the religious leaders. Followers of Jesus were being weighted down with laws and traditions that were, and, and they were left feeling like they, like they could never, ever measure up because they couldn't. Culturally today, we will never measure up. Religiously, if we believe that God's acceptance of us depends on our effort and what we do, we will never measure up. The weight is far too much for us to bear. So there comes a point when we need to renounce the power and control of the yoke that we've entered into, either with the culture of the world or with religion And we have to renounce the mindset that we might have that we aren't yoked to anything. Let me ask you Minnesotans a question. How many of you have canoed the boundary waters? That's a lot of hands. How many of you have portaged when you've canoed the boundary waters? Okay, then you understand what I'm talking about. We're actually quite familiar with yokes. There's a crossbar, a crossbar of sorts that they put on a canoe, like the one you see on the screen, that is designed to help us carry the canoe by ourselves. We put that bar on our shoulders, and we carry this canoe from one lake to the other. It helps us bear the weight of the canoe. But there is a significant difference between this type of yoke and the one that I showed you up here. Canoes have a single yoke so that you can carry the canoe by yourself. But in life, there is no such thing as an independent yoke. You and I are either yoked with Jesus or we're yoked with the world. 
We are created beings who are born dependent and live dependent. We're either dependent on God or on the world. Being dependent on self is an illusion. It doesn't exist. That awareness is essential. We are invited to renounce our dependence on the world, our state of being yoked to this world and its culture. Our second word this morning is meekness. Following our awareness of the fact that a yoke has been placed on us that binds us to something that, that we're not created to be bound to, sin, the world, we need to then humbly locate the right yoke. When we feel the weight of, life's, of life pressing down on us, we typically have three options in front of us, and we have to decide which one of these options we're going to choose. Under the weight of the yoke that the world puts on us, option number one is this. We fight. We just need to try harder to bear the weight that we can't possibly bear. Option number two Flight, just run from the weight, escape the pressure, medicate, fantasize, distract, distract, distract. Option number three, stand still, look up, and tell Jesus that you accept his yoke. Jesus invites us in Matthew eleven twenty nine 29 to learn from him. That involves surrendering to him and being his disciple. No more self-reliance. No more surrender to the world's ways. We surrender to his ways, to Jesus' ways. We submit. In Bible times, a reference to a yoke was often synonymous with submission. In agriculture, a young ox would be yoked with an older, more experienced ox... To work the field together. The young one would submit to the older one. We declare that we are followers, students, disciples of Jesus. He teaches and we learn. He leads and we follow. His plans become our plans and we do this willingly. We surrender to his yoke. Let me share something with you that I came across as sort of an add-on to some research that I was doing in the Blue Letter Bible app. Um, below the usual study material in definitions of words, that kind of thing, they included the definition, a definition of meekness that continues to fill out my understanding of this incredible principle, this word meekness. Um, I, I've been taken with this word for a long time. This is what I read this time. Meekness toward God is that disposition of spirit in which we accept his dealings with us as good and therefore without disputing or resisting. In the Old Testament, the meek are those wholly relying on God rather than their own strength to defend against injustice. Gentleness or meekness is the opposite to self-assertiveness and self-interest. It stems from trust in God's goodness and control over any situation. The gentle, the meek person is not occupied with self at all. This is a work of the Holy Spirit, not of the human will. Meekness is such a full and rich term. 
We trust Jesus. What he offers us is trustworthy. If Jesus says that his yoke is easy, then we believe that. Trusting that his will for our lives will not be burdensome. In one of his letters to the church, John wrote of our love for God being demonstrated in obedience to him. And then in 1 John 5, 3, he says this, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. We trust those words. Loving God and loving our neighbors is not burdensome. And so in meekness, we surrender to the yoke that Jesus offers us. We reaffirm that we belong to him. We accept the yoke he offers. We resist the urge to fight or to run. And we allow God to set us firmly next to him on the ancient path, submitted to his headship and his leadership in our lives. The third and final word for today is faithfulness. Being yoked to Jesus is not something that we do once and then it's one and done. We don't just declare that we are yoked to Christ and then wander around through life with our yoke symbol on a necklace around our necks, declaring that we are yoked to Christ as we run around doing our own thing, our own way, on our own time, whatever comes to our minds. That's not how this works. It is not a casual step that we take that is one and done. Going back to the oxen, once a young ox is yoked to an older ox, what do you suppose the young ox does? Well, obviously, it does whatever the older ox is doing. Do I need to state the obvious implications for our walk with God down the ancient path? I think it's pretty clear. But our pride, our pride fights this with both fists, both feet, our elbows, knees, and an occasional headbutt. We will do what we want to do. No one can tell us that what we do with our lives is dictated by someone else, right? Disney tells us that we can do and be anything that we want. Yet the eternal, all-powerful Son of God says this in John 5.19. Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. Who do I think I am? that I would take the symbolic yoke Jesus offers and not put my head through the loop, shoulder his yoke, and join him in what he's doing. Jesus prayed in John 17 that we would be one with him just like he's one with the Father. Sharing a yoke with Jesus accomplishes this. Joining Jesus in what he's doing is exactly what we've been called to do. 
did Jesus accept those he created? Did Jesus love those he created? Did Jesus extend grace to those he created? Did Jesus speak truth to those he created? Did Jesus point people to God? Did Jesus serve his Father in love and obedience? Did Jesus bring life into seemingly dead people, situations, and environments? Did Jesus see his world with deep love and compassion? Did Jesus promote God and his character at every turn? Did Jesus lay down his life for this world? I share a yoke with him. What do you suppose my part in that journey is? In every moment, I will follow him where he goes and I will do what he does to the best of my ability. Jesus not only did all those things, he is doing all those things. We are doing all those things together as his family. Take my yoke upon you. Faithfully follow me wherever I go and do whatever I do, just like I do with my Father, he says. Does it sound like a burden too heavy to bear and a task too great to accomplish? Well, it should. It better. But remember that Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Next week, we're going to dive into what he offers us along the way as we take on his yoke. You'll find it both surprising and beautiful. Church, what do we need to remember? Awareness that we're either yoked to the world or to Jesus. Meekness to surrender ourselves to the yoke that Jesus offers. And faithfulness follow him wherever he goes and do whatever he does in this life yoked with Jesus we will find and experience that closeness with God that Jesus is praying for right now so let's pursue that together as a church will you pray with me Father, I do thank you for your very loving, compassionate, generous offer to take the yoke of Christ upon us, to become yoked with your Son, to follow his lead, to do what he does, to draw on his strength, his wisdom, his peace, his love, all of it, to become one with Christ as we carry out your mission in this world. Thank you for offering us everything that we need as we do this. And I ask, Lord, this morning that you would help us to be very much aware of the ways in which we have become yoked with the world. Forgive us for the ways that we have entered into that willingly, by choice. We've taken on the world's yoke and become part of what it is doing and where it is going. Help us in meekness to renounce that and move to a place where we surrender to the yoke that you're offering us, to be yoked with Christ, to 
And then, Father, give us the strength to be obedient, faithfully obedient to all that you're calling us to as we travel down the ancient path. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for making this a reality for us in spite of who we are sometimes, for forgiving us, for making us holy and calling us according to your purpose to be yoked with Christ. Thank you for the promises you've made that within that yoking, within that union with Christ, you will give us rest, which we need so badly. Keep this in front of us, God. Keep us learning and growing, surrendering and submitting. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, your Son.